0: Hi, this is Tony Silva and Charles Wiz, and this is Two Teachers Talking, episode 59 uh, from somewhere in the middle of Japan, Osaka mostly, and uh, Charles and I get together, we talk about teaching, uh, teaching English in Japan, uh, general teaching problems, things that baffle us, things that uh, uh, we can't figure out, and things that we have kind of sometimes figured out, but today's not going to be one of those days, Um, something a little bit different. Um, we have um, a special guest, and we'll be talking about teaching um, places—not so much spaces, not classrooms, but uh, places. And uh, listener slash spouse. Alison Kitzman from Kinda University. Um, a conflict of
1: interest warning here. <laughs>
0: luckily, not so much with with, with this. <laughs> not in the relationship part,
1: right? There's no conflict there.
0: <laughs> but uh, talking about, um, you know, things like, uh, well, the, the building. Uh, and, you know, some universities have these dedicated places. And uh, whether it's a unique building or a part of a building and things. And uh, the question was posed to us um uh, whether it made a difference and uh i said hell yeah but um then realized before i said another word I said, well, wait 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 wait, what am i talking about here <laughs> wait 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 this is this would make a really great this be a great two teachers talking show so i'm not going to say another word <laughs> let's let's wait and let's get the the whole premise of this, this thing is right it's like a, a microphone on the table when two teachers talk right so then it was perfect situation it says okay i'm not saying nothing and uh we're going to get the microphone and we're going to record it and that's what we did and that's right. what we're going to let and that's Our... what we're going to listen to yeah okay so... so let's let that let's let that roll then okay so today we're talking with um Allison Kitsman uh, associate professor at uh what's now known as Kingdai University um she's been teaching in Japan for almost 20 years right almost yeah And uh, teaching not only in Japan, but uh, in the United States and in Russia as well. And we'll get to some of that stuff. But um, the reason we're talking to her is that she came to me with a a question. And uh, once upon a time, when uh, Charles and I started this podcast, we decided that, yeah, this should be something like a couple of teachers talking with a microphone on the table and preferably some liquor between us. But um, we can share. Yeah, (laughs) there we go. And so here we are. And uh, so what was this question?
2: well going back to what you mentioned uh, about my russia experience um i have a question about space i know it's a rather odd question but uh when i was in russia i was working at a place called the american home and it's actually an american house every last nail all the carpenters everybody were americans and we taught in the home with
0: So what did you do, bring this on a ship over
2: there? Yep. Yep. (laughs) But you you did actually bring
0: the pieces there, right? I mean, everything was important. I
2: I didn't, but uh, Dr. Pope uh, from Illinois State University set up this personal project with help of his father and some wonderful people who are still involved. Um, But we had, uh, my first teacher and I, we put up the wallpaper. So, I mean, this was an American home (laughs) in all sense of the word. Now that I'm at Kindai, uh, we are quite well-known at least in Japan, on the news and things, for our E-Cube, or ego Mura, English Village. And this is also a very open space. And actually, we don't have classrooms there. So, we these are two places I've been intimately involved in, where English learning is going on, and I have personally felt effective, but other people have attacked it. Um, regularly, actually. E-cube in the first, uh, as it was being built, uh, one of the full professors in the English language department wanted escalators in the building that will be torn down next year um, instead of the E-cube. And it was a difficult argument and we're still fighting.
0: Yeah. Uh, Two, let me clarify two things. One is like, yeah, that the escalators instead of a a building dedicated to English learning can just go back to August and failure by design. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the podcast Charles and I did last year, but also just to clarify a little bit about um eCube, which is a very you know, very new, very modern, and very elaborate facility um you know quite a diamond on the necklace right uh really kind of a showpiece for the university that's been very successful it's been on you know television of course, but in terms of drawing in students and actually using English. Um, really kind of a, a special place and uh, when you compare the, that kind of that size of that kind of project with escalators and the buildings about to be turned torn down, you kind of get a sense of the kind the, the kind of atmosphere the kind of currents that one has to maybe fight uh, in getting things done
2: and uh, in Russia too, they are regularly fighting against uh, locals uh, <clears throat> who don't believe that either of these places, are effective learning places. So, my question is.
0: I was hoping we'd get to that question. <laughs> well, I had to give a little background.
2: Had to give background. Um, my question is, at what point are these viable learning places? So, both of them again are all English, you know, basically immersion, classes or not classes, kind of case by case. Um, I'm biased. I've had great success in both places um however it's not a classroom and we're constantly being bagged for it not being an appropriate or advanced level or specific yada yada so
0: and so the question was what do you think what do i think (laughs) all right (laughs) so (laughs) well that makes it easy um (laughs) As as Charles, (laughs) I'm constantly frustrating Charles with this. I'm going to start off with a couple of caveats. One, just another to underscore and remind that yeah, we're not talking about classroom space per se. Um, We're talking specifically not right. We're staying away from classroom space, but these are um, dedicated facilities, some other kind of like superstructures, some dedicated place building um, that um, that is used for education, and in our case specifically uh, English language education. Um, secondly, um, a lot of this is psychological and we're not psychologists <laughs> and make no pretense of being, but, um, a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about is, is kind of be tied into psychology and, the uh, the mindset that's involved with learning. And then maybe third, um, probably also worth mentioning, um, kind of in contrast to what what, what Allison mentioned, well, you and and it's kind of a good point um, that we are talking about shifting sands. Um, the difficulty that she mentioned, people who, um, in their mind, have a much more traditional approach to. Education and it is the the classroom that we have in our heads for the last 200 years with the teacher in the front with the blackboard and back of him or her and the classroom full of rows and uh, aisles of desks with students behind at them, writing, taking notes from whatever the teachers writing on the board, just spewing in front of the classroom. Um, Some people have that as their ideal um, and at the other end of the spectrum, which we haven't seen too much of a glimmer of in Japan too much, so I think Kyoto University is doing a little bit with this type of with virtual which a couple of universities in Japan are doing this um but people who very uh who are, these days uh talk quite frequently about the disappearance of the classroom and the classroom becoming a virtual entity not here uh, well, not in our lifetime for sure. <laughs>
1: but, but,
0: trying, but, not here. <laughs> but but those but those are the currents and those are the the trends right you've got the very the, the very staunch traditionalists and you've got the you know the forward seeing modernists, um, neither of which seem to sit well with the present, which is where we're stuck maybe not unhappily so um, but yeah, so with those caveats uh, to talk about it, I think to answer the question, I think um, that from a student perspective which is usually where I come, try to come from. Uh, with the mindset of learning, I think that a dedicated facility, a, a special place, and then I'm not talking, again, not a classroom, but a, a exterior, a place that you go to that is dedicated to um, at least education and maybe even better, something that's More focused on what it is that I'm studying or trying to learn, whether it's a foreign language, whether it's engineering, whether it's a violin, or whether it's karate, and it's a dojo, right? And I think that's a really good example. Um, When you you know studying martial arts, whether it's judo, aikido, karate, um, the dojo is a special place, and I don't think it's too much of a reach to extend that to. Academic learning or certainly not language learning, which is kind of a bridge between pure academics and practice um but to uh enter um a, a dedicated facility like that requires and invites a mental shift um that I think is can provide a real enhancement to learning and teaching and I think we talked about the student perspective, but I think it makes a difference to the teacher too um for the teacher and for the student and for the class experience, it makes a big difference whether it is a rented room in a community center, um, whether it's the back room of a, a clothing factory and, you know, sorry to say, I know you never listen to this, but you know, a, a friend of mine who does some um, private lessons, a little bit more organized, but he's got, he's got a class of 10 or 20 students get together, um, to study English and yeah. And he's, you know, he doesn't have a lot of resources and yeah, they meet together in one of his back room of one of his friend's factories. Um. And you can do that. And I've been known to, I've been quoted as saying that, yeah, a good teacher doesn't, it's come back to bite me. A good teacher doesn't need all that crap. He just needs a a little piece of ground and a stick and a willing student, you can teach him anything. Uh,
2: I firmly believe in that.
0: Yeah. But why make it harder than it has to be, right? (laughs) We're trying to make it easy. We're trying to optimize things, not increase the challenges we put in front of the students in front of the teachers, right?
2: So, one of the things specifically about Cube, when we set it up almost 10 years ago now, uh, Kitazume-sensei is the mayor, and uh, we are absolutely rooted in the philosophy that we don't have actual classes there. The uh, freshmen, all 6,000 plus freshmen at Kindai, all have an assignment actually four assignments to go to E-Cube twice a semester, specifically to break down those motivational barriers. So you're talking about um, psychology, psychological issues. Yeah, it was about affective barriers and getting students motivated and getting them out of the classroom into a space that they don't perceive as being a learning environment specifically to break down their barriers,
0: and you can see it's exactly those types of things that you just mentioned as positives, which would drive these other people crazy,
2: right? Because they're intangible,
0: right? Because it's not a classroom. How can how can be anything? How, how can any yes. learning be taking place? Because there's no classroom.
2: Yes, escalators would be far. There's more no class. There's
0: no homework. Useful. How can they be learning anything, <laughs> right?
2: So it's a dedicated space again. Um, and students, whether or not they're motivated, they are required to go as freshmen. So that's kind of giddy, giddy, kind of in between whether or not that's motivated or not. I mean, are we helping them with their motivation by being in a non-learning? Because here in Japan, a lot of the students have the same philosophy as those traditionalists, right? If they're not learning anything, they feel that too.
0: Well, the thing is that I don't, you know, again, to satisfy the traditionalists, you've got the requirement that they go. But again, student perspective walking into, again, this very modern, attractive um, facility, um, I think can't help but change the the framing of the experience for the student and make it inherently a more positive, um, positive experience. And talked about like the the two facilities that you've been talking about, E-Cube at at Kindai and the American Home in Russia. The the student gets a, I mean, this is also the really important part, It's a very positive impression. And then the facilities are new. They're clean. uh, They're well-maintained. And they're dedicated. The the student. So in addition, yeah. And yes, and unique. And you walk in, and one, you are in a different place. And that by itself says, okay, I'm here for a purpose. We talk about the dojo.
2: So, for example, having a Christmas party, which China has outlawed in some places Christmas parties this past year. Kind of funny. uh, Having a Christmas party at the American home, or having a christmas dinner uh, at e cube how is that different than having a christmas party in the classroom for me there's it's more authentic uh, more relaxed again to to help with those affective barriers but it it also for me provides more potential for casual natural conversation and interaction culturally and you know with the ums of conversation and natural speech and but again it's non-quantifiable
0: yes it's all it, a lot of intangibles and it's very very hard to quantify and you talk about the but the thing with the e-cube and the american home is like a yeah, party or no that that type of facility and that kind of structure like like e-cube specifically um lends itself to that kind of naturalness and having a party in a classroom um it maybe may have like a much bigger effect because it's so different from what might be going on there most of the time in reality or in the student's mind. Too, right, so again, if they're going to cube, they're already kind of halfway toward that party state or that informal state where uh, there's a that different kind of learning taking place and uh, different are they kind of input it. and exchanging. It. I don't know. Are they getting it? You. I mean, you're there. I mean, what do you see?
2: Well, in my Russian experience, I think that it was, especially when we started, wow, oh my gosh, 25, 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, more than 20. More than 20 years ago, yeah. Uh, this phenomenal. is already 2015.
0: It's <laughs> 25,
1: huh?
2: Yeah. No, two mm-hmm. years. Anyway. Anyway, um, so it was quite phenomenal, but it was quite a privilege to be associated with the American home. And yet it was also, on the flip side, rather a danger. Um, So that privileged nature was quite a lure for some students. And they came not for English so much as just being associated. So we bumped into that problem a bit. However, now it's well established. And it is, I'm sure, a little bit about privilege still. But it seems to be extremely successful. and again, there are se- there's universities in town, a polytechnicum. There's all there are all kinds of other places to study English. Um, but again, this is maybe more authentic. We have native teachers there. Same by E-Cube. And E-Cube also very successful.
0: I think it also, um, and we'll talk about, like, this is actually a bunch of vectors kind of thrown together. So you've got the student's idea, impression walking, coming into the one of these facilities and their perception uh, changes the way that they look at their own learning and their own behavior. Mm. But it also, there's a halo effect that it changes the way they perceive the teacher as well. Mm. Um, that the, the teacher, the instructor, the instructors, um, are part of this different thing, this special place, and it imbues. And I, I know we can argue if this is a good thing or a bad thing. some kind of special status. I mean, you know, we come off as a yeah. high priest or priestess, but well, you know, there's... but you're associated rather than you know. So you've got your sacred spot in front of the classroom, in, behind your desk, or and that's behind not the podium. Natural. It's not natural at all. And then when you've got a, a situation like this, you're associated not with that high altar but this other kind of environment
2: which which leads then for me a little bit more to that realistic real world you know if they were to leave vladimir and go to you know come here and meet us uh, or again are they, the kids at ecube one point to make the staff at ecube are not teachers in fact they are specifically hired not to be teachers they are native-speaking staff, young, who can relate to our students. Oh, they're speechers. They're speechers, mm. yeah. Um, and they get along with these students, and they make friendships within the EQ. And again, it's much more real.
0: So we answered your question yet? No. <laughs> I told you what I thought. <laughs> I can... um. It made me just kind of riff back and think, like in my memory, right, in different uh, teaching and learning environments and things. And I'll just go more, most recently, because we, Allison, you and I were both in in Russia a few years ago and and visiting the American home and uh, the University of what? Vladimir. Vladimir Vladimir, Vladimir State University. Named after... Somebody else who is not Vladimir, he but was, anyway, he was a prince, no, not a prince, Vladimir. <laughs> I was, I was but uh, Vladimir gonna, State
2: University. Yeah. Okay, so
0: um, we, it was uh, we were there pr- doing presentations. Allison was very involved again with the American Home, doing like some teacher training because they have a lot of their teachers there and helping them along. Thank you. And a <laughs> um, well, great, great experience. But going from the um, you know in hours from uh the, in, the warm homey, no pun intended, but uh, uh environment of the american home uh which which come from not only because we're American Yeah. but it just, it's just it's a very homey there's a kitchen right, and it, yep. the teacher the teachers and the students are playing games at and the at the kitchen table it's birthday
2: like parties them yeah, yeah it's
0: like that, and then we and we the were trucked we we're trucked <laughs> off to the university of Vladimir, which was. <laughs> Um, like a lot of the older buildings here.
2: We were supposed to put escalators in. Yeah, I
0: I remember that building. (laughs) Yeah, Stark, Stark. You know, you talk like really. has a very definite Soviet (laughs) atmosphere to it. But the same kind of yeah, and yeah, we were doing presentations in that exact kind of classroom: fixed desks, uh, teacher's desk in front of the room, (laughs) blackboard in the back, and yeah, it was eighteen fifty uh no change in
2: But no uh, change anywhere. You'll get exactly that same classroom here or in the states or yeah, in Laos.
0: Right. And uh so in addition to the classrooms, um the, the facilities themselves, right? And actually when we were at the University of Vladimir, there were some we we're in the middle of some kind of festival because there were yes. the balloons balloons there everywhere, yes, yes. And it, but but I would hardly describe the atmosphere as festive because you're really talking about some but well, we were older, doing the conference. We yeah, the but professors. but the but the the atmosphere was pretty dour. I mean it was it was dark and gray and well, it was
2: raining too. <laughs> anyway, my I guess sort of my question at the crux is how what to say against these the detractors. Again, you can talk about motivation, but it's unquantifiable. You can talk about realia um you know, again, at E-Cube, we've got a cafe. At American Home, we have a kitchen, um, native staff, all of these things that lead to more naturalistic conversation and English, et cetera, et cetera. But again, that's unquantifiable. Well, I, th- I, th- I
0: think there you've got a, r- a real hard sell, and then for two reasons. One is is the quantifiable aspect of it. Yes, it's, you're, you're, all this is very intangible um, in how do you quantify how m- much this is affecting a student's learning um it's not going to, it may, it may, it may not show up on their TOEIC scores, um, at some point or another. And you know, how valid is that a measure of language acquisition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the quantification is one aspect of it. I think the other part of it, the second part of it, which is almost unrelated to what we're talking about, but, um, not at all at the same time. Um, the, uh, the very nature of language learning and language teaching, Mm -hmm. um, how that is taught and it, it, this goes back not and it's not just the, the buildings right but the whole idea of uh, the structure of your 90 minutes um what your class um activities may or may not be um how much homework do they do well what, how, what are their tests like i mean there's so much there that's at odds with what we believe or experienced be,
2: ourselves,
0: right? It, to think, to think is the optimal way to get language learned.
2: But as you've been, as you mentioned, the wave of the future is at a computer. It's on the students' smartphones. It's there are so many other ways to learn, mm. and they're coming. And people aren't very pleased, in my experience.
0: Well, change is always scary. And change is always scary, How, whether you're going to do it like with a, with a full, as you're talking about, like eliminating the classroom altogether or just getting rid of the classroom itself or even something as simple as, you know, we Charles and I talked a couple of months ago about the flip classroom I and mean, what, what oh, does right. that exactly mean? And, yep, yep. Uh, you know, and I'm, one of my things is student autonomy and like students controlling the class and having a lot of control over the syllabus and so forth and so on. All these ideas. Are threatening to people who have no experience with it, uh, and who only know other ways. Or don't of want to lose learning. control. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and, and yeah, yeah, it's you know, there are all kinds of reasons. Again, we get into the, the psychology of not only the learning, but also of the, of these people that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, change, difference, especially in, in this culture. Um, the unknown and you, as you said, the lack of control, all that can be really scary stuff. And when you couple that, um, that kind of change with, um, capital investment of a new building, like they did at, uh, at your university at, mm. at Keendai, um, that's going to rattle some cages and, uh. Uh, how you fight that? I don't know. I think you know the, the way you fight it is like with quantification. But I, I can't do that. I can't do a cost-benefit analysis on a new building and, and enhance student learning. Um, I don't know that anybody could, but I'm not even you know I can't even think about it past that first step. So, um,
2: I can and I do and I have to in those uh-huh. meetings and whatnot. As I am the vice mayor of the EQ, uh, and so we do talk about those things, but. And we do, we've talked about trying to quantify with TOEIC that you mentioned before, which is virtually impossible. Um, As far as like cost benefit analysis, we get a lot of publicity, but again, that doesn't address the the tangibility of learning the English or the value, not the tangibility, I guess, the value of the English that they get. I'll tell you one other thing there, we have a cafe with Japanese staffed, uh, cooks and servers and things like that every one of them has learned all of the cash register english in their time of being there so they're japanese that's not what they are hired for but everyone has to speak english there i'm to the best of their ability including the cashiers and they've all learned english just by being that being there and they feel more confident and they smile when we come up you know after a first week or two of being shy and just even that hitting one or two people to me is just invaluable. It's wonderful.
0: Well, then it sounds to me like if you're trying to reach these, you know, the, the people, the, the naysayers, the deniers, mm-hmm. um, the people who are against the thing, I think um, and you're in the position to kind of do it. I, th- I think that the task falls to you in your free time is to um, or enlist somebody else to construct some studies that would actually be able to do that type of thing. Test Again, not using TOEIC scores, but use specifically the kinds of English that these people would learn. And you could do it as something as simple with the with the not with students, but with, this, with as you just said, with the cook staff. Um, and you can give them, you can give them the can. you can give them the Toic. <laughs> and I mean, because those would be much more likely to be accepted, right? These are recognized mm. standards, valid or not, but they're recognized. Mm. And if you hire them and you give them that test and, and a yearly every year as part of their evaluation, they, they take another, they cannot take the test again. And you can show by their being in the space daily mm. that their English improves. So um, I want to say immeasurably, but that's not what we want because we want to measure. We want, <laughs> we want to specifically measure what it is. So they want to improve their English measurably. <laughs> <laughs> um that might be a way to go and um actually you know con- constructing some studies that would would be interesting all by itself to actually test that other kinds other kind of competence that so often we feel i think you know falls between the cracks hmm. so there's your homework <laughs> and the answer to your question <laughs>
2: well thank you yeah sure i can't wait for charles the bills the bill
0: is in the mail
2: (laughs) come on charles yeah so bring it on
0: so uh yeah so we're gonna hash this over with charles and and let let him weigh in on this no homework charles but uh yeah the other thing it's like yeah we didn't get to talk about and we are running out of time and things but we talked about the american home and vladimir and and e-cube and things but going thinking back about my past and maybe i should wait to save this with charles but uh, for example, uh, my undergraduate school was an a, a urban university named mm. after a, a highway interchange circle where the three major <laughs> expressways of Chicago came together as, at the circle and they named the university after the University of Illinois Circle after the interchange, which was a... You know, th- think about the worst of modern '60s architecture—all concrete and asphalt. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Oh, I, I did too. I thought, oh no, I, it was—it was like the future. You know, yeah. I—I left—I yeah. uh, left, you know, high school. I, I landed there, and uh, especially at the time, hotbed of new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for, and it was, yeah. I mean, to um, you know, an architect or certain s- uh, schools of architecture, like, look at this—bleak and gray and dreary—and there's all kind of artistic merit or demerit that can be ascribed to it. Uh, but for me. Being in that place and the drama of that place and its architecture. Compared um, to
2: the very traditional high school that you went to. Right,
0: right. It was a new, this instilled me with this awe of university learning. And it, it had a great impact. Then for graduate school, went <laughs> went ahead to um, a very, you know, very, what we think is a traditional American campus, University of Wisconsin-Madison. I mean, it's a beautiful place, um, right on a lake. um, And the English department was in a building called Bascom Hall, which was at the top of a little, of course, I'm from Chicago, so everything's (laughs) a hill, right? But it was at the top of a hill (laughs) that you had to walk up and which was beautiful in the fall, but man, oh man, in the winter. But nevertheless going from that modern modern architecture to this hallowed um so you could respect the hallowed yeah and it changed the way that i approached my classes absolutely that i i know for myself my experience as a student that going to these different places changed my educational experience and changed the way i approached my study
2: so just to check so you really enjoy the open space of circle you also respected the hallowed grounds of madison So what did you think about the uh, building we've taught at at Kindai, the one that's going to be torn down soon? That was quite the interesting oh
0: it's just it, it, it is like it is like any old school building almost anywhere in the world it was, it was the same as the buildings in russia it was the same as the like older any high school in japan that's built like in the 40s 50s and 60s or and not before been modernized since. and not been well it's something i mean there there've been some token modern they put new desks or new windows in some rooms some rooms and but does yeah. that
2: depress you walking into something like that as a teacher of course yeah
0: of course of course, and it and I think it depresses the students too yeah, it okay. it sends a message there this is not a my my experience here is not a priority. Mm. My learning is not they don't they don't somebody doesn't care whoever's in charge of this place, mm. they don't care. look at this place, mm. look at this place look at and and, and again reflects on you know the, the student attitude and at the, it their attitude to the, the teacher, so, yeah. the teacher toward the students and the students toward the teachers, yeah, we're all sitting in this miserable room. Mm. Um, which may or may not have, be adequately heated <laughs> or hot or cooled or lighted. Um, all of it. Yeah. Drafty, noisy. I know another camp, university I was at where they had the construction going oh, on in yeah. the hall outside. I could not conduct my class because they were, there was an air hammer going on the wall <laughs> of my classroom. <laughs> and of course, you know, I asked to say anything. Is like, another room's like, oh, no, Shogun, Please, too bad. Uh, too bad. Do your best. And it's like, damn.
2: Well, and that's why we're knocking that And there we are.
0: So space uh, does so I think it's I think it's pretty clear. (laughs) Makes a difference. And it also
2: motivates the teachers. It's huge. Or the staff as well as Yeah. Fresh and clean, also.
0: So the job, and not and again, not to put, you know, not not around before, but like to not to put it entirely on you, but yeah, the job, the t- one of the tasks is to yeah, find out a way to quantify how these things Charles. make a difference, and maybe Charles will have something out of this. It'll be make Charles's it easy, homework. Charles, Charles, this is your assignment. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all well, right. Well, thanks, Allison. Well, thank you. Thank hey. you. I'll keep working on it. Yeah. Well, good luck. Shout out to all my good, homies good at the American Home and King Kinde.
0: But there's progress, right? I mean, American Home is oh, is, is, is continuing, and oh, uh, EQ yes. is getting more and more recognition, and yes. some of the old, a lot of the old buildings at your university are yes. getting torn down and being yes. replaced by new stuff. Yes. So that's good. That's good. That's so. good. Yes. So okay. So we we can end on a somewhat positive. So I have note. no
2: homework. Yay.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it to Charles to quantify okay. this
2: stuff. It's up to Charles. Thanks, right. Charles. Okay. See you. All
0: Ciao. And there we go. All right. So why don't <clears> you bring <throat> it back? Yeah. So, so Charles, what'd you think?
1: What did I think? It's, well, it's an interesting discussion. That's <laughs> but, for sure.
0: The yes, This idea
1: of place slash space. Mm. Um, it's not how you usually approach the teaching issue. Mm. Right. Usually there's this <clears throat> idea of modifying oneself to the space as a teacher. Right. But here... And, go mm. ahead, please. No, no, go. And, and here we're talking about how the space or the place is actually actively modifying
0: the learners. So that's kind of an interesting take, I thought. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, And it's insidious in a way because... Um, when the place is new, we approach it and we're very sensitive to it, and we know we notice everything. But after we've been there for a while, we stop thinking about it until a question like this comes up, and then you realize if you if you're, you know, think about it enough or chew on it long enough, you just like realize, well, yeah, um, all these things do affect my mindset. And my approach, and how I feel when I when I come to this place, and realize that it's got to be happening to the students too, and as other teachers as well. So uh, you, it's a it it's affecting you, but you you've kind of already put it in the background. It's we kind of come invisible, and we we don't think about it. We're not aware of it, um, and you know because as we'll, you know we, as Allison and I talked a little bit about it, the lack of research. Uh, on these things we really don't know the extent of or what 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 is it that it's doing we can feel it kind of but we don't know what it's doing to us or our students right
1: well that's an interesting problem um, we could look at it from an architectural perspective mm. and how architects when they're designing space or sometimes they actually do design the spaces oftentimes they will only be concerned with the aesthetics, let's say. But here, what we're really talking about is how a space itself, a place, is actually the defining characteristic of the kind of learning that's taking place. Mm. And that is, of course, something that's happening anytime students go into a school. By definition, the school is a place. But what we're talking about is a, a, a different kind of situation as contrasted with, let's say, the language lab in a class yeah
0: you've got you had all kinds of on the spectrum right you've got yeah so as you said like the, the language lab um, you've got your traditional classroom you've got um, some universities have done like set aside special rooms or corners or in some cases and, and buildings um, for English learning and then the ones who have actually gone out and built like for example at, at Allison's University at Kendai University new very luxurious digs a whole new building um for this for english language learning or english language experiencing or something um so yeah you've got the whole gamut and i think you're you're right you're really good point like to make that contrast with the traditional language lab and something like e-cube that they have at kindai university um the, you can't help but think that these two different types of places are going to have a profound impact on the mindset of a student walking in saying okay i'm i'm going to learn english now and one's walking into this ultra modern glass and steel structure and the other one's walking into a classroom with a bunch of probably seven-year-old computer screens and funky headphones hanging on the corners.
1: Oh, yeah, those things. (laughs) (laughs) It's, of course, new, fresh, clean, always makes a difference and has an effect to some degree on how students are going to learn. It's not one of the primary drivers. But what we're actually talking about is something that's on a grander scale than the language lab. And we talked about this before, how there are, what, what what were they called? Like English islands. Yeah,
0: that's like in the middle where they, the university will set aside a, a, a room or a lounge or you know, maybe even a larger little complex, um, a suite of uh, connected rooms or things where that are dedicated to um, students being able to come and practice their English. The, a lot of times is faculty involved either volunteered or paid sometimes there are more advanced students that um, volunteer and I, I don't know if they get academic credit or something for it but they are very active in coordinating you know for their as senpai for their kohai right as mm. for the for the under under um, under underlings <laughs> That's the word we were looking for, yeah. underlings. Underlings. What a strange word that is. <laughs> so speaking of the underlings, right? So <laughs>
1: yes. So these spaces do exist. Uh, I, th- I found that what's interesting is to try to actually figure out how, as you mentioned, the spaces are actually affecting learning and the learners. Um, I think you mentioned this too, that we don't know how to measure these kinds of things. At least I have no idea how one would measure whether these spaces are actually working or not.
0: Well, that turned out to kind of be Allison's question, which I didn't get at the beginning, right? Because I think, well, of course it makes a difference. And then, you know, after thinking about it a little bit, it's like, well, why is it that I think that? I mean, obviously my gut, my, my intuition, my instinct... These are all useless things, (laughs) Um, for the most part. I don't know, but but yeah, but you know, yeah, push comes to shove. How do you quantify that? And um, her situation is where you know you you meet resistance for you know financial um, commitment to different changes and things in any you know whether it's curriculum, whether it's uh, facilities, personnel, whatever it might be. You have to somehow. Be able to quantify or prove or point to some kind of research that um, that it's going to have the benefit that you're claiming. How do you quantify that? Well, what benefits are you claiming? First off, right, student What what are we looking at? Is a great
1: question too. Right, Students, exactly. They're they're real effective things, not effective, but effective. Students feel better. They talk more. They communicate more. Or are, do we? measure this by increases in vocabulary level, TOEIC scores, TOEFL scores, or is there something else that's intangible that's going on that really couldn't be measured that way in a quantifiable um, way that is still benefiting the students. Right. So uh, There's a lot to be said. I think you called what did you call the speechers? Mm -hmm. These are the people who are in E-Cube who are not teachers. They're young people and almost like one could call them like peer not peer counseling Mm. but kind of like a peer communicator so that they're actually talking to somebody their own age who has some background that i assume they're getting some guidance from the faculty in terms of what's going on so that it's just not a straight what's called in japan free conversation situation but yes how what what are the positive effects that are going to come out of this program? And then how would you measure them? Mm. And would they even be visible?
0: Right. And, and it's something that it's a, a re, it is a real problem because you've got, like, for example, in this case, and I, I, mean, I don't know the history and I don't know the politics involved, but you've got um, an institution that's making a huge financial commitment. You're talking about real estate. You're talking about construction design and i think it was an alumnus that designed it but so i managed to yeah. got a little discount <laughs> there <laughs> Yeah, drew it on a, on a napkin <laughs> it's at a, a bone and kite or something but um uh it's i mean it's a huge commitment right i mean space time money um and that's kind of a lot of pressure to let's say okay how, we put all this money into it okay now where's our results um our students aren't you know and how do you measure that um you know the success what does success look like and it, it's it's it looks different to everybody else it's like okay our student scores english scores they're still terrible we spent all this money in this new building and our students still can't speak english who who are we going to hang for this
1: well, that's still uh, not as scary as the test scores went up, but the communication <laughs> level hasn't
0: shifted at all. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing, right? So, well, is, is it going to be the test how, what scores? What does success look like to you? Is it going to be how many how many kids got jobs? Is it going to be um, you know, some kind of intangible image of the school where people compliment, uh, send letters back and say, oh, yeah, I was in your campus, and then this, this E-Cube thing is beautiful. Is it... Does it come from like you know, recruiters that maybe visit the campus and are impressed by this and therefore make more recommendations? Does it increase in the number of applicants and the people who take sit for the entrance examinations, um, which not only monetary you know benefits, so they have the money from the entrance examinations, but you know then they get a larger number of applicants and they get a more uh capable pool of students to choose from for admission things. So, <clears throat> we talk about success. So what are we talking about? I mean, obviously, we as teachers, are pretty myopic, and we, we we kind of think about like you know the in, the students' communicative ability and you know how much that's changed and, and how do we measure that? But that's because we're teachers. I mean, I, we have a hammer and everything looks like a nail to us, you know. Right? But the big picture. I mean, people define that success in all kinds of different ways, and actual English language acquisition might be pretty far down on the list of their criteria for success. It's possible. Go back to August, <laughs> failure by design. But anyway.
1: Well, yes, failure by design was definitely <laughs> voiced by. A, a, was it Allison who was talking? Yeah, about yeah one of the one of our on one of our colleagues the, the, with the there escalator. Was a choice between. The EQ building or an escalator in a building that was going to be demolished in two years? Was that it? That was it. That was it. That one's... uh, He can't make this stuff up. No, no. How could you? How could you? How how could you even sit there? How could you even have a straight face during a conversation like that? We've all had those, (laughs) Again, but this is... You were talking just to to go off on a segue here. Yeah, go. Just to talk about... The, the strangeness of just what it's like in an academic situation. I want escalators in a building. And so, but going we, back Which to, is scheduled to be demolished in two years. Right. And you kind of think, well, are you, you just don't want this idea, right? And this goes back to something we also talked about in Feathered by Design is how much, is there really a desire to have students- learn English and actually internalize Well, that's the other happening. thing,
0: right? And um, that's you,
1: why, sorry if you don't mind, hmm. the, just want to finish this thought before I forget it. Hmm. The idea that a space can have such a drastic effect on learners or the environment and something that you don't want to lose. I think I've mentioned before that I teach four juniors in my hmm. seminar, my junior seminar, and we work very closely. And they are very, very different people when I have them in a classroom and then when they come to the office for the seminar, So, because I have them in other classes that I'm teaching in the department. But when they come to the office, that room just the nature of the room creates a different space for them and what they said is that when they come to the office and sit down they feel like they become different people because they're using only English which they use in the class but because they know that that environment is now associated with them with questioning and asking questions and arguing and discussing and asking why. So yes I think that there's value in creating these kinds of spaces or places and it would be a shame to ignore that aspect and not recognize it. But that's why I'm just kind of laughing about the
0: escalators, so. No, no, you're absolutely right. And and that it, it, it's exactly the difference that we're talking about. That for those students, that sense of place and time, um, because, you know, the space m- might change. It's used for, you know, obviously it's your office. It's, it's, used for one thing when they're there it's used for something else when they're not there but that that kind of dynamic but for them their experience they're coming into that particular location at that time as they have observed you know self-observation has a profound effect on their mindset and what they're going to do what they're about to do and uh as I, as i i think i mentioned with uh, in the in talking with Allison about um the the you know what i in my past like the, the sanctity of like for example a karate dojo um that place is dedicated <laughs> it's one purpose and it's very serious and when you walk in your mind is in a different place um And there's no reason why you can't, and I think the reason that we're talking about all these kinds of things, well, because, okay, now we've got something, we've got this criteria, this, this variable, we can, we can tweak this thing and say, okay, this, we know that by changing the place, we can change the students' attitudes and we can change the outcomes. Let's, let's make the most of that. the problem that we, in the conversation with Allison, it's like, okay, well, how do we quantify that? I don't know. Right. It's the quantification's really hard. Yeah. I think that there's an
1: understanding of the importance of space and designing space and how that's going to affect people. I think one of the really famous examples for that space, before, and I want to just mention this before we get into the quantification, is Pixar Studios, where when Steve Jobs, I think, was... Of course, designing the place. I think. <laughs>
0: Try and stop them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: and set it up in such a way that to go to the cafeteria or to go to the restrooms or to anything you needed to do in the building, you had to go through a central area. And the idea was to increase the bumping, the amount of bumping. Mm-hmm. so people bumping into each other and talking and stopping and sharing ideas and that's one of the things that's going to happen in these dedicated spaces because it's understood that english is being spoken and by its nature any languages have the values and attitudes and ideas that you know exist within that language system and that's going to be within that space right and that is incredibly valuable but you know there's also another thing tony i think that's really valuable here and we have to think about this in terms of quantification too, is the fact that students get to then turn it on, turn it off. You walk in, and you realize, ah, it's time to change. right? And you walk out, and it's time to go back into the real world. But you can walk into that building at any time. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a classroom, we're completely constrained by time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the student's attitudes are already changing. Ah, that's where I go. That's the English space. That's the English world that I have access to. And that has a lot of advantages. So the question really becomes, how do we measure this, let's say? How do we right again when someone says it's a success, what are we doing and what's the criteria for success? What are the criteria for success? So I think we're gonna end up in the self reporting area mm-hmm. to some degree. Is it? How do we? What do we do? What do you think? I, I, I would think that this kind of space—it's an alternative idea—and I would not like that space constrained by, constrained by TOEIC and TOEFL tests as well, a measure of yeah. what success is, which I think is what will happen down the line. And you know, you could probably improve TOEIC scores and TOEFL scores a whole lot more effectively and efficiently in just a listening class. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see how people are going to measure what's actually going on.
0: Right Any and ideas? well well, no. <laughs> Sadly, no. And then um, so there we because, are. Okay. Because you no, know, because of the idea of, you know, again, defining success, right? Some people are going to define it by those test scores. Some people are going to define it by other other parameters like um, for example, students finding jobs, um, applicants, numbers of applicants, uh um centimeters of newspaper coverage okay but um, if we did were... they use i mean you all, all those different things can be used as criteria for success and again you know, we okay as a you know, we as much you know say well at least at least the, TOEIC scores and the TOEFL scores and TOEFL scores are related to english uh, of course we would choose very different criteria but that's how it looks to us um it's like the five blind guys trying to describe an elephant to each other one guy's I thought it was three guys well, I think it's five one's on the trunk one's on one of the legs maybe it's only three And what's on the, the tail well, maybe what one's about on the, the side the ears the stomach yeah oh, we got five the trunk <laughs> Is it, can, it can just, the trunk the I think the it's ears. twelve <laughs> the toes right? how many, how many the, ways? the tusks. how many ways can you divide an elephant probably a lot. Well, <laughs> but, every, a tr- <laughs> but everybody's got a different perspective, right? And everybody's got a different idea of what success is and what what it's supposed to be. Um, and y- w- even beyond success, you've got the university with a, um, well, as any institution, with limited resources and those resources are, you know, hardly fought over. I mean, people, you know, kill each other, right? Um, for those resources. And, um yeah anything that's going to to this cause is getting taken away from somebody else's pet project and um so you're gonna have on the one hand um people who are like vying for those for those resources um you're gonna have people who just fear change <laughs> any kind of change is bad we don't want to, we, you know, it's like I did, we didn't do this when I was in school, so it's not necessary therefore we don't need to do it now um yeah. So and was, stop trying to introduce this idea of the pencil. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Because charcoal is good enough for me. It's good enough for my kids. That's right. Um, and you know, also, you know, going back to you know what we've talked about so many times. Stuff, yeah, I think there's also um, even a little bit more negative tendencies, a little more hostility toward you know this being used for English. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who really do not value uh english language education um and it's a waste in their right, mind the, right right that's like the same people in the united states
1: who feel that language education, foreign language education is not a priority and it's not a right or, to the schools.
0: or yeah gonna make it on the list right art music right and, let's and, take, yes. and of late science <laughs> <laughs> well that's the least important topic. <laughs> just,
1: why did we get rid of that years ago so, let's the, replace yeah. science with yeah What's if right you mean? believe
0: science that's, right. <laughs> that's what they
1: say. <laughs> and there's no factual reasons that you should believe science. Ah. <laughs> oh, no. Ah. We have gone down the slippery slope into production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Into so, pull us out but, of despair here. <laughs> right. So let's pull ourselves out of this a little bit and talk about more. Okay, as educators, as teachers, how would we try to measure success in one of these spaces?
0: Yeah, that's what I don't know. Right. So, I don't, and, and this is one thing that, that bothered me is that the more and more I thought about it was that uh, I may, you know, made some other connection. I realized how often um, here I am, you know, chortling about like the importance of science. And here we are, like you and I are talking about this, you know, obvi- the, what we think is, well, it's obvious um, importance of this sense of place and how it can contribute to uh, effective learning things. Without a shred of proof, right, total, then. totally on faith. Yes, yes, right, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, it's, totally, there's nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing here. Uh, but yet, um, you know, gut, uh, instinct. What do you want to call it? Instinct, just intuition. subjective. Intuition or feeling is that, yeah. This has got to be important. And and we we do this a lot, and we don't realize it, right? So, for example, student writing, um, proven. And teacher correction of student writing does not help them become better writers. Teachers all over the world <laughs> are suddenly shivering because there's no reason are out there, there to with a little a red pen, a, <laughs> a little red pen, correcting those errors, like, and it doesn't help the kids learn. Um, the flip side of this, though, Tony, hmm. is that
1: I've read these studies also, is that it has. No, there's little uptake, but the students really want it, and they will evaluate teachers lower who do not mark their papers up.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, this. And so, in that sense, you know, it's like, well, you know, okay, there's the research, but then the reality. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's and so. In this the... situation too, like, we, okay, there's no. I couldn't find anything. Um, I was looking. I was looking for uh research that kind of like tied something what we were talking about the sense of place with um um learning and it's like, yeah nothing zip but yeah so we're running on faith i guess i don't know um i don't like that idea but i don't know that we have a choice
1: yeah it's it's an interesting one that it might be that we need some new metrics we need some new yeah. ways to measure mm. Or maybe it's old ways of measuring that we just have to reintroduce, for example, self-reporting in terms of motivation and attitude towards learning and interest in the language. And, or, I'm not sure, but it is an interesting, interesting question because, like you, I have the same initial gut response, which is, this is great. Mm-hmm. A dedicated building, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. And maybe part of it is just from, thank you for recognizing that there is a need for this that there is a need for a place for students to go where they can feel that this is where I speak English, this is where I experience it, because people will argue. And this is part of the argument for virtual reality, is that you can then provide a place where people can actually go and simulate what would occur if they went overseas or if they went into the target language's culture. Mm-hmm. And in a certain way that, maybe it's this matrix kind of thing, <laughs> but- No, I like it, I The, like the it. E-Cube is a simulated space. Kind of, yeah. Right, and because it's physical, because it actually is there, existing in the real world, that it doesn't seem to be a simulation. But in reality, that's what you're actually doing, is you're mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. simulate as much as possible. And this is what Allison was talking about with the American house, mm-hmm. is kind of this simulated space where people can then immerse themselves, like an immersive reality, virtual mm-hmm. reality, in the target language, culture, and space. And I think... Um,
0: I like actually, that idea. I like that. Yeah, they're,
1: you know, it's, it's who was it who wrote the Poetics of Space? was an interesting book looking at just how space affects things um, but yes it's it's a simulated world and it's the closest many of these students are going to get to in terms of their opportunities for speaking English and then there's also a flip side here which is that there are students who will not have the economic resources to go traveling overseas to experience cultures. So by actually creating a space within the university where the culture then becomes imported, I think is really excellent and gives, you know, kind of equalizes a little bit in terms of economics, differences between students.
0: That's also a really good point. Yeah. Yes, I would say so too. Of course it's a good point.
1: (laughs) But the simulation aspect to helps in a lot of ways because in some ways Tony that's what we've been trying to do or we try to do in our classes is to recreate sure those um, that cultural kind of space because for example you always say in my class you should feel comfortable to ask questions you should feel comfortable making mistakes which are like it's two things right away that completely contradict everything mm-hmm. that my mm-hmm. students know <laughs> mm-hmm. what mm. mistakes are okay mm. Jesus you know they look at me like I'm some kind of madman mm. Which is not actually inaccurate, but... (laughs) So here, though, you have this very delineated space, and I think it's going to have a very positive effect, but then again, we come back to how do you measure that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's a really interesting question, and it's a rich question, and somebody's probably going to get their doctorate by trying to figure this out and answer this problem. Well,
0: good. I hope so. I hope that soon soon. Because, it won't be yes, me. We'd like some, we'd like some evidence. And, yeah. You know, also, there's it would be the flip really nice side. to have that. It'd be really yes. nice to have and that.
1: And this flip side of this is I'd like the evidence that shows it's not effective as well.
0: Right. Just find, me, what, what is it? Yeah. Well, let's fill in the out. gaps, right? What, right? You know, what, is it what maybe, do we know? What, what don't we know? And what's what's right and what's wrong? Sure. Right.
1: And is it a good expenditure? Is this a good way of funding or take the cost of that building? God knows how much that costs, right? And would it, have been more, would it have been more effective to provide that money to the next you know, seven years' worth of students who apply for overseas scholarship programs?
0: Or, or, give, or give teachers raises. God, no. <laughs>
1: no, no. That's a total waste of money, and there won't be any effect. And teachers are immune to economic considerations mm. and concerns, right? Yeah. Ha,
0: ha. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, thing about like again, the really desire for that data because you know playing a, you know a little a little farther than you know the devil's advocate, it's like well you know, of course you and I say that because this is our field. This is it, it's it's self serving. It's like yeah, of course yeah, put more money yeah, you build more cathedrals to to ing the, the god of English language. Like, that's what you guys that's what you you hegemonious Americans are always into. It's like well.
1: There's an interesting argument there,
0: right? Yeah, right. It's like it hmm. is. It is a. It is. And a, there's it's... no. There's no debt. There's no proof that this works, right? But and yet you guys want us to spend these millions of dollars yen on this. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sorry. And
1: and there are the Spanish teachers saying, you know, there's a yeah, lot of people right. in the world speaking Spanish, and the Chinese teachers are kind of saying, you know, there actually might yeah, be more yeah, of us yeah. than there are of you yeah, speaking languages. yeah. And yeah. So. It would be nice in a certain sense if E-cube mm. was more L-cube, mm-hmm. language cube. Mm. And that it was dedicated to, and think about this now. Instead, you take a place like E-cube and you turn it into... A
0: world l- cube.
1: World cube, right. Yeah. Which is really what we are working on, right? Is that languages, there is a pathway that allows people to engage other cultures, other mm. kinds of thinking. So there is a certain, what is this? hegemony of American or English here because it is e-cube which I think means English cube right yeah I think yeah or yes 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 ear corn or something I don't know. <laughs> ear corn? What, whatever that is right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's corn I think it's time ears. I think it's time <laughs> it's time it's time it's time for us to uh, time for me to get to um, But a lot of good points though I mean yeah, yeah I mean yeah we're, we're running out of gas here but um, yeah, the whole idea of, like, are um, the decisions that we make not only, like, these, you know, to build a building or not build a building, uh, but all kinds of things we do in the classroom is, like, well, how much of it is based on science and the data and how much of it is faith? Oh, that's the whole point. I, 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 there's a, there's a whole other thing, right? And, uh, and the whole, like, you know, problem with this particular slant on things, at like quantifying these you know these very ephemeral kind of effects and um you know things that are really kind of out there but we sense that they we sense and feel that they're very real um and then you know also trying to um justify defend make an argument for you know, you know it's very basic foreign language study um that like with music and with art, um, historically, and just ext- how, you know, you know, how do you quantify the value of art education, right? yes, art history exactly. or art, art appreciation or music? These things, you know, but, but the pressure is there, and, and rightly so. it's like, okay, yeah, it's really difficult to quantify. Well, yeah, it's difficult, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Good point. Mm. And
1: I like that point about the value of art and music. Sorry, you cannot really, really directly measure that in the usual way. We can look at how it expresses or represents advances, let's say, in culture, um, advances in terms of free time, our, our... The distance between us and actually having to forage for food, let's say.
0: (laughs) Well, and this is very surprising coming from two liberal arts majors. Gee, why? (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. Do you think we're kind of biased here? Yes,
0: right. Never expect that to come out of these guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there you are. Jesus, this
1: this podcast is just full of surprises. (laughs) But I think what's interesting about the discussion, Tony, is that how we actually ended up being teachers again. Mm. And... Not just looking at what Allison had brought into, you know, the question Allison had brought in about, you know, how does space affect it? But we were actually really focused on how do you measure this interesting thing? Right. How do we find evidence so that we know what to do? And how do we optimize it? Yeah. How do we optimize it? Exactly. Yeah. Say that, please. How do we optimize and you know use these resources in the most efficient and effective manner and the point is in teaching too and being teachers in the world is how do we most effectively use resources that are not optimally designed hmm so I think it's kind of an interesting thing so maybe it's a good place to stop I think you think I think I think so too hmm. so let's see this is Charles Wiz and Tony Silva and we are two teachers talking and you just have to like append the two teachers. talking. Yeah, it's everything. And we just want to also ask people that if you have the time or the energy or you have the time and the energy that if you can go to iTunes and kind of put a review in or rate us and we're not asking well, I'm not asking for
0: the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll ask. I'll say, please you ask, please give, your, give your positive reviews on iTunes. Because really, it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the ratings. It makes a difference in um, helping people find the podcast when they're looking for things. Um, it also makes a difference when they find it and whether if, yeah wh- and whether how the many reviews, ratings there and are and whether the positive reviews are positive or not um or whether you put it on iTunes or whether you send us an email and thank you by the way for um the the um the feedback on uh, the burnout which um uh we did get some feedback on that and that's great it, because otherwise we don't know um the more we hear from uh people who are listening what they find good what they find bad what's interesting what's helpful what's not otherwise we're in the dark here we're like we're like those three or five guys blind guys with the elephant um we don't know what we're doing <laughs> so help us out <laughs> give us some direction i mean tell us what you'd like to hear what what uh what we're doing too much of not enough of i mean you know give us a hand please yeah.
1: yes and then uh tony was uh talking about adam murray who listen to our burnout episode. And he was kind enough also to send us copies of his article, which was which in the really language good. teachers read them for him. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'll link in the to language that on the page. teacher, link the page. Um, July, August, 2013. Mm. And um, I definitely suggest that you read it. It's, it's interesting. Very very it's good. minimally, that's like the least I could say about it is that it's interesting. Mm. He's over, I think he's at Tokai University, isn't he?
0: I don't remember where. I think, yes,
1: I think he's over at Tokai University, Mm. but I think his article is uh, Teacher Burnout in Japanese Higher Education. Mm. So, um, but, you know, those kinds of comments, those kinds of emails are really helpful. So if you can rate us, rank us, review us, just provide us with some feedback, then we're not like Mm. running down an alley blind in the dark, right? That's right. Blindly in the dark, sorry. Blindly dark. Okay, so at that point, Tony, let's wrap up. Wrapped. Wrapped.
0: Thank you. Okay, thanks, folks. Bye-bye.